Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Well, today we are continuing in a series that we began nearly a month ago, and time, it flies by, right? That will actually take us all the way to Easter, titled Ecclesiology. And what ecclesiology has come to mean, what we're examining in this series, is the study of doctrine pertaining to the Christian church. As each of us find ourselves in a post-Christian world, where not only is Christianity not the predominant religion of the day, that there's actually a rising hostility towards Christianity. Gone are the days where we as Christians are often seen as the solution, and more oftentimes than not, we're actually seen as the problem. And with the increasing influence of secular culture on each of our lives, I would argue it's actually more important than ever before that we teach, especially here on these Sunday mornings, the essentials of the Christian faith. After all, as I've said many times, if, if you don't learn about it here, well, where else are you going to be getting this information from? Followers of Jesus ought to be able to reasonably articulate their beliefs. And, and if this is all new to you, you're just kind of beginning to explore, just kind of beginning to dip your toes into the water, uh, you owe it to yourself to understand as, as completely as possible what it is that you're potentially signing up for. So part one, the introduction, it laid the groundwork for, for why this content is so important. And then over the last two weeks, we've been getting into the meat of this series. As we spoke about two weeks ago, God the Father. Last week, God the Son, which, which leads us to inevitably exploring God the Holy Spirit this morning. Now, if you have missed any of those first couple weeks, please go back and get yourself caught up at grumlaw.com slash messages. Uh, or as I mentioned nearly every week, you can also find us under Grumlaw Church, wherever it is that you grab your podcasts. Now, as mentioned over the last two weeks, it's impossible to talk about God the Father, God the Son, and again today, God the Holy Spirit, without first exploring the oft-confusing topic typically referred to as the, the Trinity or the Holy Trinity. Now, we dove into a lot more detail on this particular subject two weeks ago, but, but the most succinct way that the Trinity can be explained, it would go something well like this. Around here, we worship the one true God who has always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's eternal, meaning he has always existed. He has always been. And the central tenet of the triune God that you need to understand, where we as human beings draw most of our understanding about the Trinity from, is that God has made himself known. He has revealed himself to us by the Father sending the Son and sending the Holy Spirit, and all three are God. Three distinct persons, and that is an important distinction that we're actually going to unpack even further this morning, manifested in three different ways. Now, of the three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, far and away the most confusing and misunderstood is, is whom we are exploring today, God, the, the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are so many misnomers and misconceptions that it makes it pretty difficult, I'll admit, to give a succinct 30-minute teaching on the Holy Spirit here today. And it's why I will kind of unabashedly encourage you to go back and listen to a series that we completed nearly a year ago titled Better. Uh, we spent six weeks in this Better series kind of giving a Holy Spirit 101 course. And I'm going to attempt to cram all of that all six weeks into exactly one message here this morning. So needless to say, this is going to fall short on some level. Uh, today will in many ways kind of serve as an appetizer. 
So if you weren't here for this series, uh, I would highly, highly encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. And, and, and additionally, I'm going to recommend here two different books right here on the front end that, that I think will provide even greater clarity regarding the Holy Spirit. I'm doing this right now because I, I think the Holy Spirit's going to show up in some pretty dramatic ways here at the end of this message. And, and I just kind of feel like it's going to feel anticlimactic to ram that stuff in, at the end of the message. In fact, I actually wrote this message with that in mind. I was like, I got to recommend those books. And I wrote it and I'm like, that's just not going to fit. So I'm going to recommend these books now, knowing that for some of you, your, your buying bone maybe hasn't really been tickled to this point, but take a picture of the screen right now. And I think by the end of this conversation, you will want to know more. The, the two books I'm going to recommend are Forgotten God, written by Francis Chan. Uh, he's one of my favorite authors, uh, one of my favorite preachers. So, so good. Read that book multiple times. And, and then this book right here, The God I Never Knew, by Robert Morris was a book that we were uh, highly, highly recommending throughout that better series. So either one of these, in fact, both of these would be great, great books for you to pick up uh, and further your explanation on the Holy Spirit. Now, as we begin this conversation surrounding the Holy Spirit, uh, there's a foundational truth that, that I'd like us to take note of that will be instrumental to the rest of our conversation this morning. And, and by the way, I'm just kind of like all kinds of excited about this today. It, it gets me really, really fired up teaching on the Holy Spirit, pr probably because it's the Holy Spirit himself that, that gives me the words to speak every week. So it's just kind of fun to give credit where credit is due, that the dude is working miracles every single day of my life. And I get real excited thinking about that happening in the lives of more people here in, in this faith community. But back to that foundational truth, that the Holy Spirit's purpose is to point people to Jesus, plain and simple. That the Holy Spirit's purpose is to glorify the Son, is to glorify Jesus. John, in his gospel account, he, he makes this very, very, very clear. This is actually Jesus speaking. It says, when the Helper, another name for the Holy Spirit, and we're actually going to explore that title a, a little later in this message. When the Helper comes, wh whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he, he will testify uh, about me. In the very next chapter, Jesus again says, he will give me glory because he will take what I say and tell it to you. I heard Cody Wilson, who often preaches here at Grumla, especially in our Grand Blank campus, I heard him put it this way one time, and it was refreshingly simple. He says, the Holy Spirit is Jesus's PR agent. If you're sitting here today and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you've had at least one encounter with the Holy Spirit. It is, in fact, the Holy Spirit who drew you to Jesus in the first place. When you finally had that moment when it clicked and you decided to place your trust in Jesus, it was the Holy Spirit working behind the scenes to bring that moment to fruition. That the Holy Spirit's purpose is to point people to Jesus because it is through a trust in Jesus that each of us find our salvation. And remember, God, well, he's in the redeeming business. And you and I, our rear ends, they don't get saved apart from Jesus. Now, what's sort of curious about the Holy Spirit is you could ask 10 different Christians to tell you who the Holy Spirit is. And it certainly wouldn't be unthinkable that you would get kind of 10 different sounding answers. My experience has shown me that most people think of him as a sort of ethereal being, an impersonal being, more of a substance and less of a person often described as it rather than him or, or he. And again, John's gospel account, he puts it this way. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. 
Here's another reference, by the way, to the Holy Spirit's role to testify about the Son. But, but here, and in fact, all throughout the New Testament, that latter half of Scripture, we see the consistency of the Holy Spirit being referenced as a he, being referenced as a him. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a mist, not an it, but, but a person, a, a being with a soul, a, a person with, with a mind, a, a will, and emotions. Now, now, just like the term father and son, though the Holy Spirit isn't a name, but rather it is a description of his role. God is his name. And I actually think that right there, that that's probably where about 99% of the confusion regarding the Holy Spirit, where it comes from. See, the terms father and son, they, they naturally cause us to think of people, but that's not really the case with spirit. But, but make no mistake about it, he is indeed a person. Now, 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 the reason that this is such an important distinction is because you and I, we don't have relationships with things. We don't have relationships with, with objects. I've shared a decent amount, you know, on Sunday mornings here about our family boat dubbed the Orange Peel. In fact, it's like this thing gets more like street cred even than like my children. The, the, the Pris crew has created a lot of memories on this boat. It's created a lot of happiness for, for my marriage, for, for, for my kids. But, but as much as I like this, it, it is my most prized possession. The, the orange peel and I, we've never had a conversation. When, when winter hits, I, I, I don't think twice about ramming it in the back of the garage and paying it zero attention until the weather starts to break. If I go out on a friend's boat in the summer, it, it doesn't get jealous because it's a boat. It, it's a thing. It, it is an it and you and I cannot have relationships with things or, or, or objects. Here's, here's my point. For as long as you and I continue to think of the Holy Spirit as, as an it or, or some other impersonal force, you're going to continue to miss out on the richness, the, the joy, the benefits that come from a relationship with him, with the Holy Spirit, with this person. And this someone, not a something, God in spirit, he wants more than anything else to have you, to have a deep, vibrant, real relationship with you. He's on an endless pursuit after you. It's in fact the Holy Spirit who is wooing you right now, who drew you to perhaps watching this this morning, who continues to draw you into greater intimacy with him. And furthermore, until you step into that relationship with him, until you respond to his wooing, you're going to continue to operate in your own strength and as a result, accomplish very human-sized results. None of us were ever created to, to accomplish all that God has in store for our lives by our own power. It's only possible with the indwelling, the constant, the regular presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives a personal friendship or a relationship with, with him. It's the Holy Spirit who, who testifies to the Son and the member of the Trinity who has been tasked to speak and minister to us at this point in history. In fact, in that vein, arguably the question that, that I receive as a pastor more, more than any other question, and I've taken note of this before, is how do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know what God wants for my life? It's a question that I actually think every single one of us want to figure out, that we all want to get answered. I think we all do, Christian, non-Christian alike. It's just that we Christians, we tend to ask it this way. Well, what's God's will for my life? But, but really, it's, it's a question of purpose. And again, every person wants to know what, what our purpose is on this earth. 
We, we want to make sure that our lives are, are going to matter. Finding that purpose, discovering God's will for your life, it begins with at least recognizing that the Holy Spirit, acknowledging his presence and our dependence on him to accomplish really, well, anything meaningful in our lives. Stepping into a friendship, stepping into a relationship with him. Jesus himself, he actually thought that this was a pretty big deal. So much so that, that he intentionally let these words that we're about to look at come flying out of his mouth shortly before he would leave this earth. And this, by the way, was the whole jumping off point for that better series that I referenced just a little bit ago. Again, we return to John's gospel account. There Jesus says, again, Jesus's words recorded, preserved for us. He says there, but I'm telling you the truth. It is, it is better for you that I go away because if I do not go, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. I, I want you to keep in mind, Jesus says this with a completely straight face. I mean, he looks at his best friends, those disciples right in the eye, the very people whom he had spent virtually every waking moment with over the last couple of years. And he tells him, hey, it's going to be better if I leave. Can you even imagine the absurdity of this statement? It's like, Jesus, how could that possibly be true? How could you make such an audacious claim? See, Jesus wasn't trying to oversell the Holy Spirit. We see people do this all the time. He actually meant this. Here's how he could make this claim with a completely straight face. In Paul's early letter to the Christian church in Philippi, and we have those letters preserved for us all throughout the New Testament, he reminds us of a detail regarding Jesus that very much disrupts our religious assumptions and, frankly, has been the source of a lot of controversy among evangelicals. He tries to make sure that this is very, very clear. He says, though he was God, speaking of Jesus, he, Jesus, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, key sentence here, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. It is this passage right here that reveals how Jesus could say it would actually be better for him to leave this earth. Because see, Jesus knew better than anyone else the capabilities of a person operating in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This passage, it means exactly what it says. See, a presupposition that Christians so often run to when we think about Jesus' time on earth is, well, sure, he was able to pull that off. I mean, he's God. We don't articulate it this way, but, but we kind of think oftentimes that, that Jesus cheated his time on earth. I mean, yeah, he, he got a firsthand experience of what humanity feels like, but, but when the going got tough or when he really wanted to wow a crowd, I mean, he'd turn on the God powers and he'd start doing God stuff. Wrong. The, the, the New Testament writers could not be more clear on this point. When Jesus stepped foot onto this earth, Jesus emptied himself of his godhood. He became every bit as human as you and I. Jesus didn't cheat his human experience. He emptied himself, as again Paul puts it, he emptied himself of those divine privileges. Fully man, just like you and I. Again, back to the point that I'm trying to make and why Jesus was able to make such an audacious declaration with such confidence that it would be better for him to leave. 
is because in Jesus, we are seeing someone operate in the full power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, and this is kind of an interesting detail that that biblical scholars have been pointing out for generations. Jesus' earthly ministry, it kind of kicks off after his baptism in the Jordan River by his cousin, a guy who went by the name of John the Baptist. The the, the dude who would, by the way, his entire role, John the Baptist, was to prepare the way for Jesus. And and right after he's baptized, we're given this little detail, which is actually a, a pretty big detail. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, that the heavens were opened and he, that is John the Baptist, saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and settling on him, settling on Jesus. Until this happens, Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit, we do not have a single miracle recorded in the life of Jesus. Now, now it's immediately after this that Jesus' earthly ministry, it gets underway. It's off to the races. And I, along with many theologians, biblical scholars, and other pastors, we don't think this was a coincidence. It's again because he emptied himself of his godhood. He needed, and again, this kind of disrupts our religious you know, preconceptions and all that stuff. He needed the Holy Spirit. And so do you and I. And it's why Jesus would dare say it would be better for him to leave this earth. He knows what the Holy Spirit is capable of in the life of someone who fully submits to him. I mean, after all, just look at the life of Jesus. And this wasn't some one-off statement. Leading up to Jesus' death, he wanted to make sure that his disciples didn't miss this, that you and I don't, don't miss this. Again, in a separate conversation, he says, very truly I tell you, again, Jesus speaking, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they'll do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. And again, it's like, Jesus, how can you say something like this? This is the classic oversell, right? No, it's because Jesus knows what God is capable of. God in spirit dwelling within the follower of Jesus. It's not because of his faith in you. It's like, no, it's because of his faith in God. And Jesus was giddy with excitement over what would happen if just a handful of his followers began to tap into the same power. Because he knew in his humanity, well, he was limited to one place at one time. But what if? What if an army of followers all over the world got in on this? Wouldn't that be even greater? Wouldn't God accomplish even more? Jesus was so sure of this that that he would end up giving his life for this. That that, that is how positive he was that this was not mere wishful thinking. It it was his testimony to the power of God. What the power of God can and will do through the life of the follower who is fully submitted to the Holy Spirit. That's not pretty good. That's, That's better. That's not good things, that's greater things. The exact same power available to Jesus himself, that the power that rose a dead man from the grave, it is available to you when you choose to put your trust in him. That the Holy Spirit wants you to experience that exact same intimacy with him. I want to land the plane this morning on a word that the New Testament continually brings up when speaking of the Holy Spirit. 
And I think it's going to help to only further sharpen our understanding. It's a word that we've already seen actually a couple of times in the verses that we've explored that speak of the Holy Spirit. Again, John chapter 14. These things, again, Jesus speaking, I have spoken to you while remaining with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And he will remind you of all that, that I said to you. Again, just a couple chapters later. I have many more things to say to you. Again, Jesus speaking to his followers, but you cannot bear them at the present time. But, but when he, the, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to, to come. See, a word that we see routinely used to describe the Holy Spirit is this term, helper which comes from a Greek term, parakletos. When you break it down, para means alongside and kletos means to come. You put it together and you get to come alongside. Here's what I want to make sure is very, very clear today, that you don't walk away missing this. It's what Jesus' early followers wanted to make sure that we understood. It's what Jesus himself wanted to make sure that we did not miss. Very simply put, that the Holy Spirit wants to help you to come alongside you. Super practically speaking, he's just looking to, to help you out. I have a handful of friends that are just like really, really handy dudes. The names that jumped to mind were Nick Newhand, John Forster, Graham Seacrest, Kyle Crossan. They seem to know how to fix and install and repair just about anything on this planet. They're really like the best kind of friends to have. They're the pickup truck of friends. And because they're my friends, I don't feel bad asking for, well, their, their help. In fact, it was this last Sunday, uh, you may have heard maybe through the grapevine that my wife and I, we recently opened a coffee shop in, in Heartland, Michigan, and we're giving away all the proceeds to the fight against human trafficking. And, and last Sunday, there, there were these six pictures that came in that, that I wanted to hang up, and I wanted to be perfectly spaced between each other at the perfect heights, and you all look like level. And as I thought about this task, I'm like, this is going to take me a long time to get this right. So, so, so rather than sitting on the struggle bus for hours by, by myself, I instead decided to call my buddy Kyle and ask him, hey, man, would, would you be willing to come down and hang like a handful of these pictures with me? And he's like, no problem. Didn't hesitate for a second. He's like, I'll meet you there Sunday right after church. And so we get down there and he hangs them all. And I'm not exaggerating in literally less than 15 minutes. It would have taken me hours, like literally hours. And, and as I drove away, I, I consciously thought to myself, I am so thankful for my friend Kyle because he makes my life better. He helps me out and he doesn't do it begrudgingly. He does it with a smile on his face because he's my friend, because he loves me. So it is with the Holy Spirit, your helper. Church, he wants to be close to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And within the context of that relationship, he, he wants to help you out. He, he wants to, to, to make your life better. He, he's not a genie in the bottle that, that we call on when we need to be bailed out of something. No, no, no. He wants a true friendship with you. And, and just like all good friends, he comes alongside and, and he helps. He, he's the best friend imaginable. He is who comforted Jesus as he cried out in the Garden of Gethsemane just moments before his death and in agony and in pain and worry, wondering what was coming next and then later on the cross. 
It's who would raise Jesus from the dead. And again, church, it's the same power that is available to you. That same person longs for a relationship with with you. And and come on, let's just be honest. You need some help. I I need some help. That the Holy Spirit longs to be that helping friend. Now, we've carved out some time this morning uh, for, for a guided prayer where I want to offer us up the opportunity to, to go to the Holy Spirit in faith. And, and the first part of this is uh, I'm going to ask you to remove all, all barriers. What right now, you to ask yourself this question, is getting in the way of that relationship with the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit maybe right now as, as I'm speaking prompting you to repent of? Remember, he's not sweeping in with, with shame or embarrassment or guilt. That, that's, not, that's not him. He, this is a kindness to you. He's leading you towards something that is so much better. So I'm just going to give us a couple seconds right now to, to go to him in faith and, and ask and repent and apologize maybe in some cases, but, but remove all barriers. And then part two, ask and receive him by faith. That the way we receive the Holy Spirit is the same way that we receive salvation, through faith. That the Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus when you were saved, but now Jesus has something reciprocal that he wants to do. He wants to baptize you with that power from on high. And so again, we're going to give you a little time right now. It might be as simple as saying, Holy Spirit, I am tired of living my life apart from you. I'm tired of trying to accomplish all that God has for me through my own power. Holy Spirit, come into my life. I don't want to live another day without that intimacy that I can experience with with you. And then number three, I want you, and only if you mean it, don't do this because it sounds like the cool thing to do or because, oh, the pastor said it, so I have to, but, but commit to relate to him daily. Within our American churches, there has been a tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. N- nurture that relationship. C- cry out to him. Ask to hear his voice more clearly. Ask for his guidance. Seek his will. Carve out time daily where you're just listening for for that small, still voice. I'm going to invite you to make that commitment right now.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, sending your son. We thank you for <laughs> sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for ministering to us this morning, for speaking to us this morning. I thank you for the encounters that people are having with you this morning. Um, God, I pray that we would be a people, a church, that, that are marked by our dependence on the Holy Spirit, that we'd be a people who hear your voice clearly, that when you prompt, when you nudge, uh, we would be a people of obedience, who, who take those steps, not because we're, we're confident in ourselves, but <laughs> we know that the God of the universe goes with us, before us, and, and, and after us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.